welcome to Following Jesus, six Wednesday evenings once a month to practically help and inspire us in our relationship with God. Welcome to the second in our series called Following Jesus. We're running this once a month over a six-month period. And over uh, on each night, we're covering an important aspect of what it means to follow Jesus. Last time we were together, we focused on worship. And tonight, we're going to give our attention to prayer. Every one of these evenings has three elements. Uh, we're going to learn something together. Uh, we're going to hear some stories to inspire us and encourage us. And then we're going to put what we've learned into practice together. We're recording these evenings, and so for those who are listening online, welcome. It's good to have you with us. And some of the resources we're using tonight are available for download on the website, including the worksheet which each one of you should have in front of you. Um, That worksheet is for you to make notes on, which you can take away and refer to later. I said last time that being a follower is fine, but it depends on whom you're following. I remember many years ago when I was working for uh, Avonborough Council, and uh, I had a work colleague called Ron, and uh, learning to be a planning officer, took me, uh, one day he came in and he said, Steve, come on, quick, get your coat, we're going. Um, He picked up a file, Uh, we ran out of the building, ran down to his car, uh, drove down uh, into the Sandfields estate in Port Talbot, and um, I'm thinking, where are we going? He's obviously really urgent. Uh, We drive uh, to this house, I'm thinking uh, we're going to be looking at an extension, and he gets out, and I said, what are we looking at? Is it extension, two-story, single-story, Ron? He said, no, um, we're going to help get my mother's washing in. It's about to rain. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I learned lots of bad habits of planning. Then subsequently, I worked for a consultancy in Romsey, and uh, the boss was probably the, one of the most brilliant minds I've ever uh, worked with. And I learned the hard way what planning was all about. And the difference couldn't have been more obvious. It really does depend on whom you are following. And Jesus' challenge to each one of us tonight is to follow me. He is the perfect one for us to follow. Okay, tonight we're going to see how we can encounter God by ourselves as well as with others through uh, prayer And every week of following Jesus, we're going to be doing an interactive Bible study together. And tonight is no different. We're going to see how through uh, looking at any Bible passage, we can encounter God and be stirred to pray. So here's the passage that we're going to look at tonight. It's from Psalm 23. It's the first three verses. Most of you will know this really well. It's some of the most well-known verses in the Bible. Most of us will have heard these, these verses read many, many times. This is what they say. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Tonight, 
we're going to learn together how reading the Bible can help us to pray and so spur us on in following Jesus. If you remember last time, we said that any uh, passage we read from the Bible, the first question we need to ask ourselves is, what is that all about? You see, if we don't ask questions about what we're reading, um, we will, within minutes if not seconds, forget and, and conclude it's irrelevant to our lives. Um, it would be easy to switch off because, actually, there are no shepherds anymore, are there? It's not relevant to us. But we need to remember that God's word is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. Paul uh, tells Timothy, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God or the woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Well, if that's true, then every time we read the Bible then we, can, we should encounter the living God. And if that's not our current experience, God wants it to be our experience. So what is a good question to ask? Last time we saw, uh, if we take the first letters of the word what as an acrostic, it, it will help us unpack the passage that we're reading. And you can see that uh, set out at the top of page three of your worksheet. And we're going to use this uh, word, what, to provoke us to ask questions about the passage. The W, what was happening then? How are things different now? Apply the passage. And today, I'm going to do this. So what was happening when David wrote this psalm? How can you know what was going on? Maybe you're not, uh, you don't feel experienced, you don't feel you've got a good deal of knowledge about the Bible. Well, let me give you a few uh, resources that you can use. You can use a study Bible, of course, either an NIV or an ESV. Uh, those contain a brief explanation of each book of the Bible. You could buy a commentary like Phil Moore's uh, uh, Straight to the Heart series. His one on Psalms is excellent. Or you could buy uh, something like uh, Spurgeon's The Treasury of David. It's uh, 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 his uh, unpacking of the Psalms. It's much older, um, but it's an in-depth study. You could use something like that. But what was happening when David wrote Psalm 23? In groups of three or four, just for a couple of minutes, I'd like you to have a chat about what you think was happening when David wrote Psalm 23. Why did he write it? Where might he have been when it was written? Why did he use that particular analogy of a shepherd? What are the main themes behind this psalm? Why don't you take just a few moments in groups of three or four just to have a think about those questions? Okay, just a couple of minutes. So does anybody want to hazard some some guesses? Does anybody want to shout out something, anything? Yeah, there was a lot of shepherds around at the time. It would have been commonplace in everyday society. Anybody else want to throw out anything about what was happening then? Yeah, so David himself was a shepherd. 
And we read about that in the Psalms. Okay. The Psalms were poetic songs, uh, poetic literature. They were typically sung to music. Uh, uh, the Psalms 150 uh, such songs. Many were written by David himself when he was king or before he was king or were written about him. Um, Israel was what they call an agrarian society. It was all about uh, agriculture, uh, 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 crops and animals. The wealth and future of the nation was in and dependent on livestock and crops. Enemies attacked to steal the livestock and steal the crops. And you can see that in passages in the Old Testament. And so looking after sheep was something that was well understood. It was a crucial role uh, in the society of the day. And as we said just earlier, David had been a shepherd himself. And uh, he himself was was a skillful musician. Maybe he wrote this while he was out in the fields one day. Perhaps he wrote it as an older man looking back on his experience. But David was an experienced shepherd. He knew how to protect his flock. We're told from lions or bears in 1 Samuel chapter 17. He understood the tasks that were necessary to care for sheep. And he understood that the relationship between the sheep and the shepherd was close. And so, the, if you like, the analogy, the motif of God as a shepherd communicated something of huge importance to the people of the day. So, how are things different now? Just take a few moments to think about how things are different now. Okay, we're not going to spend long on this because it's fairly obvious, isn't it? We don't live in in such an agricultural society. There's a few of us uh, around the room who work on farms, but by and large, uh, the world has changed. And uh, so the role of a shepherd is done on a much larger scale by farmers as a business. And very few people today would have much of an idea of a personal knowledge of sheep or indeed shepherds. However, like sheep, we still have needs. We have needs for food and clothing and protection. And, and actually, we still behave a little like sheep. Why don't, uh, how do we behave like sheep? Queuing. Queuing. Yeah, we're like sheep. We just queue, don't we? What else? We like to follow. Sheep just follow, don't they? They want someone to follow. follow. In fact, they'll follow anyone going in the wrong direction. The thing is, like sheep, we can, uh, we can eat all the wrong things and do ourselves harm. That's what sheep do. If they, eat, if they get in uh, amongst clover, they'll eat it and uh, they'll do themselves harm. Uh, we live, uh, sheep live for the next clump of grass. They never focus on the bigger picture. How many of us, our lives are like that? They're unable to look after themselves. They need someone to look after them. They panic at the slightest thing. They blindly follow the crowd. They hate being on their own, find safety in numbers. They're willful, stupid, and easily get lost. They bleat a lot. We are more sheep-like than we would care to admit. So how can we apply this passage, and how can we apply it to ourselves? Let's have a go at doing that together. Let's take the first one, the Lord The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord. David uses the phrase the Lord. Who is the Lord? 
Uh, it says in Psalm 120, when I lift my eyes to the hills, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So the Lord is the maker of all things. He created us. Uh, and yet all too often our view of him is small, it's too human. He's the triune God, God the Father, the author and originator of everything that exists God the Son, the creator of all that was in the Father's mind, and God the Holy Spirit, the one who reveals God the Father and God the Son to us. But what is the Lord like? What's the Lord's character? Okay, get, shout out some things that you know, the Lord's character. What's he like? Loving. He's loving. What else? Faithful. Faithful. Protective. He's protective. What else? compassionate, sovereign, he's good, he's the king of kings, he's great, he's awesome, he's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, he's all-present, he's eternal, he's imminent, that means he comes close to us, he's not a God who's distant from us, he's glorious, he's holy, he's righteous, he's just, he's fair, as we said, he's loving and kind, he's slow to anger. He's amazing, this Lord is amazing. Doesn't that provoke us? The Lord is my shepherd. How does God become our shepherd? How does he become our shepherd? Well, John tells us that we come into his gate through, uh, into his sheep and through the gate. And Jesus says himself that he is the gate for the sheep. And all that who come through him will be saved. Even though we're willful, stupid, incapable often of looking after ourselves, to God we're precious. This Lord considers us precious and uh, he sent his son, Jesus, to be our good shepherd. What does a good shepherd do? Well, he guides, he protects us, we've just heard. He rescues, he restores, he corrects and persuades, he brings peace, he gives purpose. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. This is an interesting little phrase. One of the most obvious roles of a shepherd is to make sure that the sheep are well fed and watered. I mean, the thing is, sheep aren't very discerning. They, uh, they will eat the wrong things, as I mentioned earlier. And clover, if they eat too much clover, it causes bloating and they swell. As well as that, Sheep often, uh, uh, in David's day, they lived in arid society, in arid land where there wasn't much water. And sheep uh, actually can survive on, uh, on ground, on grass that's dew-drenched for long periods of a time. And so where there's no water readily available, the shepherd leads the sheep early in the morning to where there's still dew on the grass. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What's our, our diet like? What do we feed on? Are we spiritually unhealthy? We need to feed on God's word. We need a good, balanced diet. 
Jesus is the good shepherd who wants to draw us early in the morning to sustain us with his provision for the day. It's a beautiful picture. He wants us to be people of word and spirit. The statistics show that there is a decline in people spending time daily alone with God, reading the word and praying. What about us? Is the Lord our shepherd? Are we in want? He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. This speaks of all sorts of things. You see, if sheep don't feel safe, they won't lie down. They need to feel safe from harm. They need to be protected. They are easily spooked. And so running waters wasn't good for sheep. It needed to be still water. Sheep didn't like running waters. So we're no different. We have this great deep inner need for security. God promises never to leave us or forsake us. Jesus is the good shepherd in heaven praying for us. He is with us even when we feel alone. And lots of us here in the room have found Jesus' presence in the storms of life to bring peace into troubled situations. But the good shepherd also knows how to provide shelter and shade for sheep in the heat of the day. And perhaps our life is dominated by fears and we're not experiencing real peace. Jesus, as the good shepherd says, says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Sheep get easily wounded. The shepherd makes sure the wound is clean. He restores the sheep to health. He removes parasites, shears them if their coats get matted. Sometimes sheep fall over. They, sometimes they just fall over. They get off balance. They, sometimes their coats stay heavy. Sometimes they're just too fat. Once they're unbalanced, they're in trouble. They need a shepherd to get them back on their feet. Paul warned the Corinthian believers, if you, so if you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Maybe we have an area in our life where we're a bit complacent and indulge ourselves. Maybe it's to do with possessions. Maybe it's to do with family relationships, what we watch, what we read. The list can be endless. Psalm 145 tells us the Lord upholds all those who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. He makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside quiet waters. He restores our soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. A shepherd brings direction and purpose to a flock of sheep. They'll overgraze. They will just strip it bare. It will just be mud. They're just so thoughtless. They don't think about tomorrow. They just live for today. And so the shepherd needs to take them to, uh, uh, leads them in paths to where they're going to be looked after. How does Jesus guide us? Have a think about that. How does Jesus guide you? What does Jesus use to guide you when you need directing on right paths? Maybe you want to jot a few things down. Jesus always knows when it's time for us to move on. 
He leads us to green pastures. He leads us in the right way. Numbers of people here have found Jesus has led them and been leading them into new things. For some, it's new jobs. For some, it's new areas of service. For others, we saw John and Jill recently. God had been leading them down to the Wimborne church plant. Some sheep have a bit of wanderlust. The shepherd isn't leading them, but, and they're off, and they inevitably get lost. Sometimes, we're like sheep. We're a bit stubborn. We won't move on from the same old patch of grass. And Jesus wants us to be people who follow his lead. His spirit speaks with, this is the way, walk in it. Is he provoking you? Is he speaking to you at the moment? Jesus is the good shepherd and has a purpose and plan for our lives. The road may be long, it may be winding, and it may be uncomfortable getting there, but it will be well worth it. Is our life lacking purpose and direction? If so, we need to hear the voice of the shepherd. It's great. When you start taking a passage like this and starting to apply it to yourself, asking yourself some questions, it has so much to provoke us and speak to us about. What are we going to do with this? What will we do with it today? What can we do about that today? Are we going to be people who respond to Jesus' voice speaking to us? Are we going to be sheep who look to the Lord? We gonna, is he going to be the one we follow? Is his going to be the voice that we listen to? Are we going to be open to the voice of his spirit speaking to us? Are we going to be those who listen to what his word says and put it into practice? Are we going to be those who, uh, who, when we need protection, come running straight away to him? Are we going to be those who, uh, uh, when we need provision, he's the one we turn to first of all? really interesting where we go when when things don't work out where do we go where's our first port of call in preparing for tonight uh, I was here a couple of hours before all of you and trying to get the technical stuff working it just wasn't working I was upstairs and I was in just uh, uh, flapping a little bit and then I suddenly thought I must pray it's such an easy thing to let slip isn't it so easy in the moment to go, oh, what am I going to do? Actually, we have a Lord who is a shepherd to our souls. He's the shepherd of our souls. What are you going to do today? Here are some resources which will help you follow Jesus, grow in prayer. There are two links to, uh, to talks on prayer from past sermon series there. Devoted to prayer, Jesus on prayer. The book I'm recommending is a, it's a short book. Um, some of you may have read it before. Some of you may, uh, it may have been a long time ago. I would say you may want to revisit it. It's a great encouragement to prayer. It's called The Prayer of Jabez. Before I ever read the book, I heard Malcolm Case from The Coin speak on the short passage of Jabez from 1 Chronicles chapter 4 in the 90s. And it radically changed my prayer life. You see... This passage, we can use it to engage with God in prayer. He's the Lord we come to. He's the one who can help us in whatever situation. And we're to be those who respond to him and pray. We're going to hear 
tonight some stories. It's great to look at the Word of God and see what it says, but we want to practically unpack some of this. And so I'm going to ask uh, Jonathan and uh, John to come out, and they are going to uh, uh, just talk a little bit about John's story. So let's give them a warm hand. Well, I might have needed an introduction, but I don't suppose John does. But let me say, anyway, in case you don't, John here and John and his wife Wendy lead uh, one of our community groups. Uh, I know they're on the ministry team. I know they're a father and mother to many in the church and much more besides. Uh, There's a lot more to them than I can cover now. But um, John's agreed just to share a little bit about uh, his experience of a life of prayer with us. Um, So, John... Thanks for doing that. Um, Let me just ask you, uh, when we talked earlier in the week, you talked about when you first became a Christian and you almost first came across prayer, you learned something quite surprising and quite quickly, didn't you? What was that? Can you tell us? Well, I became a Christian in uh, 1990, the second Friday of January. Amazing experience. But the thing that struck me, we went to a cell group and... I said, well, anybody got any prayers or want any prayers? Said, well, somebody said, well, could you pray? I'm waiting for a couple of letters. Could you pray? I thought, well, that's a bit odd. You know, God's bigger than that. You know, God who made heaven and earth is not going to worry about your letters. You know, and I thought, well, why even ask him, you know? And uh, then as you grow in faith, you realize that he cares about all the small things and all the small, all the small details. Hmm. So it was a, a surprising lesson you learned. A surprising lesson, yeah, yeah. And then it wasn't too long. I think perhaps about a year later, you you discovered, as I think we all do, that the Christian life has its uh, difficulties, and you walk through difficult times. And I think you went through some difficult times then, but you again learned something new about prayer. What was that? Yes, uh, yeah. I've been a Christian. I don't know, a year. And uh, at a building business, building company, and it, building houses development, and uh, it was the end of the recession, a really bad time, and we lost everything. We lost the house, uh, I lost the business, and uh, I'd start again, really. But we just kept praying. We just trusted God, because that's what we had to do, you know. But it, it was a really tough time. But somebody in the church said direct to our vicar, "Did you know anybody's looking for somewhere to live?" And they said, "Well, John and Wendy are." So we, we, we got the house and, and away we went again. So really your experience there was that, as well as little things, God actually took care of the big things. Exactly, yes, yes, he did. Yeah, and fast forwarding uh, a bit, uh, <laughs> change of scene, you ended up in uh, darkest Africa as missionaries together. And I think there you, you learned some more lessons in prayer on a, at a different level. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I went to Zambia, and um, previous to that, I, I went to um, to Africa for three weeks with our church, and I started praying to God, look, look, Lord, I really want to come back here and work for you. And you realize that when you pray prayers and you mean them, it, God listens to you, and he answers your prayers. So off I go to Zambia. Uh, I had to leave Wendy behind. We'd never been apart before, and... Uh, but after three months, uh, 
she came out and we, we were managed to be together. It was for a three month contract, but then I got offered another, some more work to do to build. We worked at a, a Christian Vision and uh, they had a big radio station and they uh, broadcasted to Central Southern Africa. And so I was working there and then I went on to build the Bible college there, the accommodation blocks, the school, and et cetera, et cetera. But uh, whilst we were there, there was a coup and the the army took over the, the radio station within the town, which was, we were in the bush, so the, the town was 45 minutes away, and they took over the small, ra- the small radio station, and they broadcast, and they were going to come and kill all the Christians, and they're going to take over the country. So uh, the guy that was in charge of us, they started hiding vehicles and said, well, you, you get your passports and you can go. And uh, we had paramilitary there, and they were sort of between the police and the army, so they're armed, armed soldiers, you know? And so our boss said to the guys, what are you going to do? Well, they took all their uniforms off and ran away. So uh, we said, no, we'll go to the Bible college and we prayed with the students. And we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. And praise God, it came through and it was all sorted out. But Wendy did say that day, she said, Lord, I might be with you earlier, but let it be quick. Mm-hmm. You know, it was that serious. So you found that, that you know, when you pray in really, really difficult circumstances God, God and when you there. all pray together you know there was, there was probably about 40 of us with all the new students uh, yeah it was powerful it okay. was powerful time That's wonderful yeah. and I know you yeah. have lots of other stories yeah. of that time in Africa yeah. too yeah. What, what about so when you came back here again I know God provided for you marvellously um, but just thinking of, uh, uh, about how you were praying uh, what you had learned in your prayer life by the time you came back can you tell us a bit about when you prayed, how you prayed, what, what were the rhythms of prayer? What, what were the ways in which you learned to pray? Because through many, many, many situations in, in Zambia that we went through, and God had answered our prayer, and he'd seen us through, and he got us through. Uh, we knew we could trust God. We got into a habit of, of reading his word uh, every day. We got into habits of doing of daily readings, and we got in ha- a habit of praying together. And like Steve said, that he had a problem earlier, and he thought, "Well, I better pray about this." But in Africa, you pray about everything, and you pray about it first before you do it. Even before you go out in your car, you 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 pray about everything. So we'd got a good foundation, you know, and uh, that held us in good stead. So yeah, if a problem cropped up, then we we're praying, yeah. you know. And, and daily, how did you pray? Well, as you were going to work, or you? you uh I, I pray every day. I pray every morning, and uh, I pray when I go to work. But I, I, I get up in the morning. I do my Bible reading. I do my daily notes, and then I pray as I go to work in the mornings. And that's on the, that's on a daily thing. And, yeah. And yeah. how about while and you're that, and working? And that's a habit. <laughs> and through the day, when I'm through the day, you know, I'm always. Praising God because you know you know you, you seem to forget things sometimes when you get a bit older and you think where did I do that last and you know you just say Lord just help me do this and He does it and He comes through and He never lets me down you know so it is it's a it's an ongoing situation it's a it's an ongoing relationship you know yeah. we've built we we've built a ra- relationship up with God and uh, that's the way that you do it I mean it's it's like being a husband and wife if you don't talk to each other you don't have a good relationship mm. but if you talk to each other and you talk to your children and it's the same you talk to God you've got a relationship you know and it's always open it's always there so your yeah your prayer is like a conversation exactly with yeah God yes yeah throughout yeah, the day yeah that's what that's wonderful now those uh moving on mm. these 
prayer rhythms are in your life. Uh, and moving on, we come to probably the most difficult thing you've ever mm. faced. Mm. Um, about two and a half years ago, when you lost your daughter, Catherine, mm. in a tragic car accident. Mm. Now, mm. I can't imagine, John, what that is like. I'm sure most of us can't. But, you know, the rhythms of prayer that you had in your life, how, how did you feel they helped you in that time? Well, many years ago, we, we, had a, we were prophesied over, and somebody said to us, there'll always be hurdles in your life. And sometimes we thought, well, we didn't realize they'd be that close together, you know? And... Uh, on that dreadful day, I was doing the same thing I've always done. I had prayer time, and I was I was just driving to work on the motorway. And every morning, I would pray for Wendy and Catherine, etc., etc. And that morning, I was going to work, and as I go down into Southampton and coming the other way, were ambulances and and and, and uh, police cars. And I thought, oh, that doesn't look good. And I got to work, and I had a phone call, and. Uh, Rob said to me that Catherine's been in a bad accident and the air ambulance is there. You, you best get home. So I gone. I was home. But, you know, the traffic was, because of the accident, the traffic was queued up way back to sort of Eastley. And I was just shouting at God, you know, God save my little girl, save my little girl, you know. And, uh, and you get home and you're faced with a policeman. You know? Tough, tough days. But, sure. but when you when you... When you're in that situation, you've only got one place to go, and that's God. It's just one place you can go and, and just call on him, you know? Mm. It's, so you, you kind of you revert to automatic, but your, exactly. your automatic was to go to it, God. Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's nowhere else to go, you know? Yeah. That's, and a, tough, that's a tough situation. And, and as uh, after that dreadful day and in the, the weeks and months that followed, how... Mm. How did you find that you were able to talk to well, God? How did you work that out? You, you, you're sort of on automatic pilot for quite a few weeks, really. And it's then you sense the prayer of other people, the prayer of other people lifting you up, the prayer of other, other people supporting you, uh, all the hugs and, and, and the messages that you get. You know, and we still, obviously we still prayed, we shouted, and you know, you know, and uh, I can remember when one evening in the middle of the night, when he woke up screaming and shouting at God. You know, we 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 left our daughter for ten years in Africa, and then look what's happening now. You know, and but we dig in and we pray through it. And we pray through it, and we know if we said to Catherine, "Now you can come back," she wouldn't want to anyhow. Mm-hmm. You know, she really wouldn't want to. Mm. You know. So you did a lot so, of lot of walking. I did a lot of walking. I did a, I do a lot of walking on Saturdays, and uh, I had a little iPod that Catherine had bought me, and she put lots of Christian tapes on there. I'd done a lot of walking. I had a lot of wet handkerchiefs, and I'd cry and I'd cry and I'd sh- I'd shout at God. I'd be cross to God. But the main question was why. It, you know, we, we we didn't do ifs. We don't do ifs, and we don't do if if only. We do, none of those. It was just just why, Lord. You know. Uh, you know, people would say, yeah, but God loves you. So we know the question, we know the answers, but just why, you know? And over the weeks and the weeks and the weeks of the walking and crying, and then I put the iPod on and listened to a couple of praise songs, and eventually it turned itself on its head, and there was more praise than less tears, you know? Hmm. So you were, you were obviously able 
because you had a conversation with God to be very real with him? Very real, very um, open, because he, he, you, you can't hide anything from him, anyhow. You know, he knows when you're cross, he knows when you're angry with him, he knows, he, he knows it all before, he just wants you to open his heart up to him and, and just speak to him, yeah. you know? And it, I mean, he's never let us down. I mean, we were in Africa for 10 years, no money, but we never went short of anything. God always provided everything and anything, mm. you know? John, that, that's, that's such an example to yeah. us of walking with God through yeah. unimaginable circumstances. And I, I want to thank you so much for being prepared to share that tonight. And uh, I think that's an inspiration and an example. Well, we, fo- we focus on heaven a lot more now. You, you know, we, like you've been preaching on Revelation, we, we, you know, what we've got to look forward to. You know, if somebody comes to Winchester, moves to Winchester, they say, well, we're the schools and... Yeah, we're the shops, and you know, where where where's everything? Would it suit us? You know, and we need to get into Revelation, like you're preaching on, and say, let's find out a bit more about that. What we've got to look, what we've got to look forward to. So, uh, I'm I'm a bit more in neology than theology. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's great. Thank you so much for sharing, and it's it's great to have pillars in the church of men and women who have walked with God and are still standing through all the storms of life. Well, we've got an amazing God, and uh, he gave me an amazing wife as well. Yeah. So praise yeah, God. Brilliant. Thanks very brilliant. much. Thank it's you. A big hand. That was incredibly brave. Thank you, John. Uh, we're going to take a five minute, a literally five minute comfort break and then we're going to have a few more stories. Okay, we're going to regroup and uh, I've asked Annie to interview a, a couple of people and uh, she's going to introduce them. And uh, can hand over to her. Okay, you're just going to have to, if I go blank, glasses are going to have to go on and, and so I can ask the question. Okay, so I just want to say, we're just going to chat to two of these lovely, lovely friends. Um, they both encountered prayer in very, very different ways, okay? Um, they prayed specifically about certain things, um, and we're just going to hear their different stories. So first of all, we're going to hear from Louise. Um, Louise is married to Will. Who's over there? <laughs> okay, <laughs> they've got three boys and a beautiful girl. And um, so Louise is just going to tell me her story. Now, Louise, last year, okay, there were some serious health um, challenges for you. Can you just tell us about it and how you were feeling? Okay, um, I'm going to read what I've written because um, I didn't want to waffle, and I wanted to get in what what is important. Um, September last year, I went into Winchester Hospital on the recommendation of of my consultant to have keyhole surgery to remove my gallbladder, and recovery should have been two weeks. Um, I had a very tricky time in recovery and was discharged from hospital too soon. I had complications due to the surgery and was readmitted 10 days later seriously ill. Um, The medical team think that what happened was that debris or stones from the gallbladder as it was removed had um, fallen out and blocked the bile duct and pancreas, causing jaundice 
liver function issues and acute pancreatitis, which is potentially a life-threatening situation. Um, so it was really tough on the kids, family and me. <laughs> Uh, one of the symptoms of acute pancreatitis is psychological and it's extreme fear and anxiety. So on top of feeling so ill and not being able to do anything, um, I had that as well. So I hadn't been sleeping for that long and was in fear for my life um, on top of that. So after a difficult time in hospital on IV fluids, antibiotics little food um, because they like to give the pancreas a break and zero sleep um, I was discharged thankfully um, to continue my recovery at home they were particularly concerned about the liver so I was booked in for an MRI scan and it was a very scary time for all of us um, I'm very thankful for my church family and friends um, they were amazing uh, they rallied, they supported us, they had the kids, they did meals. Um, and when I was in hospital, too ill to pray, I had some close friends who uh, said to me they were standing in the gap for me and praying, which is what you need. Mm. Sorry. Oh, Louise. Now, there's one, ev one evening um, when Steve and I um, came round and to spend some time with you and Will and the children. Um, we really encountered God that evening. Can you just say what you specifically asked for in that evening? Um, Take your time. Yeah. So it's exactly a year since all of this, so I feel this is very significant that I'm sharing um, for me. Um, the night I came home from hospital, Will had asked Steve and Annie if they would come and pray for me and our family um, and it actually was the night before the launch of Hope Church, so they were really, really busy, um, but they really, uh, very kindly, uh, gave up their evening and came. And there is a passage in the Bible that is called the, Fe the Prayer of Faith, and it's James 5, 14, and it says this, uh, Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. And that's what we asked Steve and Annie to do for us. And we felt it was really important because the children had been through such a traumatic time that the children were there for that. Um, we had a wonderful time. Steve and Annie were fantastic in explaining the Bible passage to the, to the kids and anointed me with oil and prayed over me. And the children saw Steve and Annie's faith in prayer firsthand, and it had a big impact on them. <laughs> and as you can imagine, it was a very emotional time as a family because we were all back together again. We then sent the kids to bed, and Steve and Annie stayed to pray for me and Will. Uh, they were very encouraging and asked me to be specific about what I wanted God to do for me. And um, uh, I'm afraid I had quite a long list, didn't I, Steve? <laughs> So um, I asked to have peace and sleep because that was the biggest issue. Um, the, you know, the, if I got that, then I could kind of cope with it. Um, to be pain-free so I could sleep. But also the crucial thing was for my pancreas and liver to return to normal and for the MRI to show that and to be well again for my family. 
it's just such a moving time, wasn't it? Mm. Incredible. So what happened after you were prayed for, Louise? Um, so they started praying for these specific things. And as they prayed, we had a very tangible encounter with the living God. That's how I can just, all I can describe it as. Um, God's presence filled the room. And it was as if he was sat with us. There was a tangible sense of God's peace that despite the circumstances of the last three weeks and the current health issues that were ongoing, it just came to us. And it was like a physical blanket covering me and Will. It just was heavy and, and warm and just a, a real sense of God. And we just sat there for ages. And Steve, Steve and Annie, in the end, let themselves out while both, <laughs> both Will and I um, we just were sat together um, in God's healing presence and amazing peace. And we didn't move off the sofa for quite a while. Excuse me. It was amazing after such turmoil and fear. And that night, that was the first time in three weeks, I slept peacefully all the way through. And I was pain-free. And it was amazing. Um, yeah, God, God was good. I mean, it was just amazing. Because I think we were um, here at Hope Church launch on the Saturday. And then we had this... Um, Louise said what happened. It was just so specific, such an instant answer in prayer. It's absolutely incredible. Um, so, Louise, so, since then, how, how have you been? Um, so, in the following months, um, I had to build up my strength because I lost a lot of weight. Um, and I would have a wobble every now and then if I had pain or I felt uh, weak again. And uh, this is amazing. One of my sons, George, um, who's 14, he, the first time I had a wobble was probably the next day after this amazing encounter with God. But I think, you know, in your mind, you have to really push through with things. Mm. And I was um, having a wobble and crying. And I think another thing that it's done for us, it's made us a lot more open with our children about emotion um, and that it's okay. And I couldn't mm. hide it. So um, George came and gave me a hug. And he said, Mum, you're going to be fine. Steve read it out in the, in the Bible. We prayed in faith that you would be healed and you will be well again. And this is my son. And it reminded me, sorry, of how important childlike faith is. And every time over the few months I had a wobble or I doubted my well-being, I reminded myself of what George had said and obviously of that night, that encounter with God. And since then, obviously, I've, I had the MRI shortly after that. And um, it showed that the liver and pancreas had returned to normal and the blood had returned to normal again. And it was an amazing answer to prayer. So. Isn't it wonderful? Just give Louise a round of applause. <laughs> Thank you so much, Louise. And I'm just going to talk to Millie now. And Millie's story is, is different. She, again, she's specific about prayer, but her journey is um, very different to Louise's. Now, Millie is married to Barry, and they have a, a beautiful boy, Samuel. So I'm just going to ask Millie just a couple of questions. Okay, Millie, um, why don't you tell us what was happening about two years ago? Um, yeah, I'm also going to read, if that's okay, or... 
Um, just got my notes here. Um, so a few couple of years ago now, maybe just over two years ago now, um, nearly three actually, we, Barry and I, we kind of decided it was time, you know, we would start trying for a baby. We would like to have children. So we just thought, yeah, let's, let's go for it. Um, we just thought it would be something that happened straight away and um, had no reason not to expect. Yeah, basically things didn't really go according to how we thought they would. Yeah, okay. How long, Millie, were you crying out to God and how did it affect you? We um, were in total then trying and crying out to God for for a baby for about um, 20 months. And um, it was something which affected us both. It really did. um, Yeah, it affected both of us. But I think we both knew it was something that I was maybe struggling with a lot more than or more than Barry was, and um, I think it, just the way it kind of manifested itself in me was, um, I just, I really struggled with it. Um, As I say, there was no reason to expect anything, any reason for taking a long time, so, um, yeah, it was quite difficult. And I remember during the time um, we were trying, um, John did a talk on, Jacob and Jacob wrestling with God and I knew that that was this was like really um spoke to me about this was my battle with God you know to wrestle with God about this and we hadn't actually told anyone we just kind of kept it to ourselves and we did we were praying obviously between us but we didn't tell any family or friends kind of what was going on until just after a year of trying which I think in hindsight probably wasn't um the best decision I think we probably could have gotten prayer a bit sooner but we it, we kind of felt that, I don't know if everyone feels the same, but we felt like struggling to conceive is not something which is talked about very much. And yeah. so we felt maybe a little bit ashamed about it and that we shouldn't, mm. you know, admit that we're struggling and just kind of get through it and get, you mm. know, keep it to ourselves. But when we did open up to family and friends and Steve and Annie and, you know, other people in the church and um, wider family, it really did help to have extra prayer, extra support, and people to talk to. Well done, Millie. What kept you persevering through that, through praying? Um, throughout this whole time, I really did have a lot of highs and lows of trusting in God for where this was all going to lead. I really struggled with it, not knowing whether it was going to turn out how I was wanting or how I was planning, how we were planning, you know, that we wanted a family, but if I wasn't, you know, if we weren't going to conceive, then how was that going to happen? So we, I really did struggle with trusting God because I didn't know how it was all going to turn out. Um, we had undergone some tests and um, we're really pleased everything came back normal, but then also really confused, you know, why, if everything's normal, why, you know, why is nothing happening? Um, and I think it was kind of at that point, you know, we started, when we knew that it's going to be a miracle. It's going, to, it's going to be a miracle from God that, yeah, everything's fine, but something, something's blo- you know, not happening here. But um, we just knew that it was only by God giving us a miracle that this would happen and how that would, what, you know, what he would do, what kind of miracle he would do. We didn't know exactly, but we just knew it would come from him. And now you have Samuel, which is a beautiful gift, isn't he? So what do you think you've learned through it? Yeah, we've, we're just so thankful. We've got an amazing little son, Samuel, yeah. and also have another one on the way. So just, I I'm just so blown away by God and how, how good he is and this, these blessings that he's given us. Um, 
I really just feel like the luckiest and you know most blessed person um, for to have God bless us like this. Um, we know that Samuel is a gift from God. Not doesn't mean it's easy. It's really hard sometimes, and um, but we do know that he is definitely a miracle from God. Um, we've really learned about trusting in God and especially God's timing. And especially for me, I am just sort of the person who just likes to do things you know, quickly, efficiently, get things done. You know, I think that's kind of how my work is and that's just the kind of person I am. Just, I like things done quick. And um, so learning patience um, has been really hard for me. But, and I'm still learning, but um, I do now just, um, you know, really have learned about trusting God and also just giving things to him and not, because I've really burdened myself down with all this and, that was not good um so i really now do give things over to god a lot more a lot quicker and and not try not to worry about things myself Mm. isn't that just wonderful should we just give our millie a big clap i I just 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 want to say actually i was really blown away by these two um and you just know that all god wants us to do is to be specific when praying and actually, um, sometimes it might be immediate, you know, there's immediate answer to prayer. Sometimes we've got to persevere through. But Jesus just wants us to trust in him, to cling to him, to know that he's faithful and that he does answer prayer. Okay, that's brilliant. We're going to pray together in a moment, but let's stand, let's worship God. We're going to sing a song to him and the band are going to lead us. Why don't you take some time now to worship Jesus for yourself? done together each of us can do on our own we can take a verse a passage a psalm and in 10 minutes we can provoke ourselves to pray you can listen to some worship songs you can download a preach on your phone or ipad you can take some of the provocations from louise millie and john and put them into practice where they're relevant to you John's story encourages us that prayer is a great response when, God, when things don't work out because God is still on the throne. Louis' testimony was that prayer needs to be specific and his presence in the moment changes everything. Jesus asked Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? Millie reminds us, uh, reminded us that sometimes prayer requires persistence like Jesus' parable of the persistent widow. You could take... Uh, this Lord's Prayer card. And uh, there is one of those for every one of you. We've bought a load, so please take them with you. These are outstandingly uh, useful in terms of prayer. I use them myself from time to time. Take one with you. You could pray through a bit of it each day for a week. Use them. They are excellent tools. Please take them with you. They're yours to use, to take away. Act on when you uh, get a moment. You could usefully take some of what we've been thinking about tonight and over the next week or two you could stir yourselves in your community group about prayer. What are you going to take away with you tonight? What is it you're going to act on? Take a moment right now just before you go to sit down and just reflect on what you're going to do in the days ahead maybe one thing 
Whatever it is, Jesus wants to provoke us to follow him. He wants us to be those who pray for his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. God answers prayer.